I'm not smart enough to figure this thing out. I guarantee you I'm not. I'm just stupid enough to obey God and let Him take care of the details. Because when you purchase an 86-acre track of land uh, with $200 in a handshake, that's, that is God. This is First Person. Welcome to our conversation. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and my guest today is Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherds Hill Academy, a residential program for troubled teens. I'll introduce you to Trace in just a few moments. This program is on the radio and internet because as a freelance broadcaster, I often bump into people with personal stories, stories that tell of God's faithfulness, testimonies that will strengthen your own faith in Christ as you listen. And first person is my way of communicating those stories to you. After listening, anytime you'd like to learn more about one of our guests or go back and explore a previous interview, just log on to firstpersoninterview.com. Shepherds Hill Academy, located in Georgia, is a residential counseling program for troubled teens. The story of how the ministry came about is the testimony of a man and his family who launched out in faith when it seemed all the odds were against them. A few months ago in Atlanta, I met Trace Embry, and we sat down to talk about how God led him into ministry. Well, he took a roofer, a guy who had no idea uh, that he could speak before anybody or speak into the life of anybody, did not want to do ministry, and I was uh, actually listening to Moody Radio, uh, hearing Mike Kellogg and some of those guys, uh, Pastor Cole. It seemed like every time I would hear a voice over the radio, it was speaking directly to me that I needed to step out in faith and go into, into ministry. And uh, I remember uh, being at a, at a traffic light, and uh, this is the day before cell phones, and I slammed my fist down on the dashboard and cried out at the top of my lungs, I don't want to be in the ministry. And the guy next to me looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> so I didn't have a cell phone to go to and act like I was talking to somebody. Yeah, so I was it. a little bit nuts, actually. But uh, So you were a Christian at this point, listening to Christian radio. A lukewarm Christian. Okay. And, and I was a policeman, and at midnight uh, I would, you know, try to get uh, as much discipleship as I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I I struggled for, you know, I was saved at 12 years old uh, in, in my head, and it didn't really reach my heart until I was about 32. Uh, although, I, by the world standards, I was a pretty decent guy. I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, drink and smoke and chew and run with those who do, you know, <laughs> but I, I just wasn't, uh, yeah. Jesus wasn't the Lord of my life. How did the Lord break you then? How did he break through, I guess, is the question I have. What What happened? Well, I woke up, you know, you know, have a house in the burbs, five bedrooms, three bathrooms, three kids, a beautiful wife, and uh, I just so you woke, got the American dream going. The American for you. dream is going on, but uh, you know, I woke up and and I, I go to work, go to bed, and, and say, yeah, I'm going to do this tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. There's got to be something more to life. That's when, uh, you know, when you get saved uh, in your in your head. You know the Ten Commandments, you know the, the simple things, the, the biblical, the basics. And yet, when you start making Christ the Lord of your life, now you start hearing whether to brush your teeth or comb your hair first in the morning, you know, yeah. what job to take, what thing to lose in your life, and, and this more of the specifics. And one of those things was, uh, I want to use you in ministry. And my pastor called me out of the blue uh, one night, and he said, Trace, I've been in ministry for 20 years, I've never done this before in my life. He says, but if you considered Bible college... He didn't know that I'd been wrestling with that for a year, and my wife had been wrestling with that for a year. But the Lord was specific. Get away from your friends, get away from your hobbies, get away from your profession, get away from your family, and and, and focus. 
And so um, the vice president of my company gave me a Moody Monthly magazine, and, and in there, Toccoa Falls College had an advertisement that said, good for married students. So my wife went out down there, and we checked it out, and we didn't even pray. It was like, I'll get the heat and lights, you sell the house, I'll sell the business, you take care of the furniture. And we sold what we could sell and gave away what we couldn't. And next thing I know, I'm sitting in Bible college with a bunch of teeny boppers and three kids. That was a bold step. It was something way beyond I thought I could ever do or would ever do. Uh, all my family is from northwest Indiana in the Chicago area. And it's, I thought the sun rose and set there, and I didn't think, I, I didn't know a soul when we went to Georgia. I just knew that I was obeying the light that God gave me. And as I, I found out over the years, that as I obey the light He gives me, He gives me more light. So, did everything go smoothly from that point on and no troubles in life? Everything? Nothing went smoothly. No, not a thing. Uh, in this life, you will have tribulation. And I think that uh, Tozer was right. Those who God uh, uses greatly, He hurts deeply. And I feel that, that uh, God is using our ministry greatly today. And He's hurt us deeply. Uh, along the way. We struggled uh, uh, big time just to make ends meet. We paid our own way through Bible college. My wife made minimum wage working for the school. We lived on the campus of the Coal Falls College at a single wide mobile home. Uh, I didn't have a real job. I, I roofed some houses along the way. But uh, other than that, I was pretty much gainfully unemployed for three years. Mm. That must have been confusing for you. Here you take this step of obedience mm-hmm. and things just aren't going right. Yeah, uh, but I, I don't have, I, I didn't have an answer for, for that. Uh, one thing I did learn in Bible college that I, I have taken with me to this very day is to praise God and to thank Him in all circumstances. And that was kind of our family uh, motto, just praise Him and thank Him. And there were times when uh, uh, we would get these random checks from friends, uh, you know, they were going to turn our lights and gas off several times in that little single wide. Uh, and... Um, and yet a check would come in. You know, it just, just crazy stuff like that. And and believe me, uh, I felt bad that my wife was working. I felt bad that, that uh, I, I wasn't holding down a full-time job and going to school at the same time. But uh, the, the truth of the matter was I, I was a C student at best in, in high school, but yet I made the dean's list every, every semester to Coal Falls. So you must have worked hard. I, I really did. I had you know, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, sometimes 2 o'clock in the morning studying. And uh, How did that end uh, in terms of Bible college for you? Did you finish Bible college and live happily ever after that? Well, you know, uh, I, I actually didn't finish Bible college. I was in my senior year, and we got the tap on the shoulder uh, – well, actually, it was a year and a half into our Bible college where I got the other tap on the shoulder where the Lord said, um, you're going to be a pastor, but not in the traditional sense. See, I, I assumed I'd be moving back to the Chicago area. And um, he, the Lord was very clear, you need land. Start. How was he clear? You know, I, I can't explain it. It's just it's a gut feeling. It's, it's, um, it's something that you just feel constrained. Uh, it was get in the minivan, pack your kids up in there, and start looking for land. Looking for land to purchase? Looking for land, and we're totally broke. It's like trying to build... I was going to say, with what? It's like building an ark in the middle of the desert. I mean, it didn't make any sense to to anybody. But, uh, you know, just driving in the the countryside of northeast Georgia when you're you're in class all all day was a little bit of relief. And the first place we bumped into was an old abandoned farm, and uh, it wasn't for sale. It was just abandoned. And I looked at my wife, and she looked at me, and, and... we said, this is the place. This is what God wants us to have. Why? What What was the attraction? 
Well, there's a beautiful view of the Smoky Mountains, the Blue Ridge Mountains in the distance, and uh, had some hills and valleys and trees, and it was just, the landscape was perfect for what we were supposed to do, not knowing what we were supposed to yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, you, you, aren't you putting the cart before the horse? We really were, and we would go out and picnic on what we now call Shepherd's Hill, and we would basically be trespassing. We didn't, we couldn't find uh, the owners. We, we knocked on doors, who owns this place? The answer we got is no one will ever get that place. It's all tied up in the, in the legal system. We didn't know that then. They just said no one will ever get that place. Don't bother. Didn't realize that there was a, it was a drug operation. The DEA oh, no. had seized it. There was a triple murder involved in that oh, place. Oh, my goodness. And it was it left to a, a 10 and 11-year-old uh, kids. of this, The estate uh, is all tied up in the estate. So a year and a half had gone by, and we would periodically go back and visit and picnic and pray and ask the Lord to provide it. I want to talk more about that property because I know there's an exciting story about it. But what is your condition before the Lord? What's your attitude towards the Lord during this time? Just willing. I mean, uh, I was, I'll be totally candid here. I, I was confused. Uh, I didn't know where he was calling me. I didn't know what he was calling me to do. All I knew is if I obey the light he gives me, he's going to give me more light. When Abraham left the old country, you know, he didn't know where he was going, and I didn't either. But I, I can tell you this. I, I, this is a quote from Oswald Chambers. And it's the story of Shepherd's Hill Academy. You cannot attain to a vision. You must live in the inspiration of the vision until the vision accomplishes itself. I'm not smart enough to figure this thing out. I guarantee you I'm not. I'm just stupid enough to obey God and let him take care of the details. Because when you purchase a, you know, which is now an 86-acre track of land uh, with $200 in a handshake, that's, that is God. And there's more to Trace Embry's story. We'll get to that in the second half of today's edition of First Person. Next week, we'll celebrate Christmas with Michael Carr. God reaches out and, and, and grasps your heart and your mind, recaptures your imagination, and you see the perfect wisdom and the truth, the capital T truth, of this little boy uh, asleep in a cattle trough. Michael and I will open the scriptures together and explore the story of Christmas from the Gospels. I hope you'll join us next week as we celebrate Christmas on First Person. My guest on First Person today is Trace Embry of Shepherd's Hill Academy, and we've heard the first part, uh, really not even the first half. There's a lot more to the story than we have time to tell on the radio today here, Trace, but I want you to pick up the story. You you feel God is calling you to this particular piece of property. Where is this? It's in Martin, Georgia. Martin, Georgia. Northeast Georgia. And you didn't know why he was calling you to this, this land. Really didn't. Had no youth uh, experience. Uh, don't really like camping. Um don't really, really like the, the farm life or anything like that. But, uh, you know, we saw this place and we, we knew we were supposed to have it. And uh, a year and a half later, uh, we were still trying to find out who owned the place. We were on our, and in the meantime, we had looked at several other properties. And we were on our way to Royston, Georgia, uh, to look at a farm. And we passed the road where Shepherd Hill is on. And there was a magic marker for sale by owner sign on that gravel road. And we... Turned around, and sure enough, there it was, for sale by owner. I called the phone number. I went to a phone booth, called the number, and the guy said, we just put that sign out there a few minutes ago. I said, can you meet me out here? So he, he comes out here. And long story short, I said, uh, listen, I do business on a handshake. Will you take a, a bad check for $200 in a handshake? He <laughs> laughed at me. He said, I do business on a handshake, too. I said, I'm just asking you to hold it for, for a week. And I thought that 
you know, people are going to hear this story and they're going to think, we want to get out of that. I, I didn't know what the Lord was going to do, but I had to transfer $200 out of our school fund, put it in our checking account because we had no savings account, nothing in our checking account, and we had $200 put away to pay for our school as we went. So a week later, I come back uh, to, the, to the seller, and uh, I, uh, he asked me, how are you going to do this? I said, I have not a clue, sir. Um, he says, young man, I was young then, he <laughs> says, uh, I could have sold that property five times this week, oh and two of those people had cash. And uh, I said, sir, no one's more disappointed than me. I said, you have the only $200 I own. And we were walking out, my wife and I were walking out with our tail between our legs thinking, you know, what are we gonna, how are we going to feed our kids? And the guy is almost, at, at this particular time, it's like the, the guy had blinders on, like the Lord just put a glaze over his face, and he was smoking like a fiend. I could barely see him from across the room <laughs> with all the smoke. And he says, what are we going to do with that property? And I said, sir, I don't know. Something to do with youth. And he looked at me and he said, you go into the bank in Livonia, you see a guy named Jimmy, you tell him that you want a loan for that property on Price Road. I said, who's going to lend me money? He says, you do what I told you. He says, I own that bank. So my wife and I go to this bank, meet another guy we never met before in our life. He sits us down in the bank. He says, uh, talks some small talk and then says, we'll close in a week. Well, we leave the bank. We didn't fill out a loan app, a credit app, nothing. And I remember getting in the van, looking across at my wife, and I said, what just happened in there? She says, I have no idea, but we need to get out of here. We really thought it was some kind of pin the tail on the Yankee thing. We, didn't, we really didn't know what was going on. And as we're getting ready to pull out, the guy runs out of the bank with a yellow notepad and yells from across the parking lot, I need your last name. We did, I couldn't believe it. We drive back to the cellar. I, I, I told him, I said, Jimmy said we'll close in a week. He says, not without $35,000 down, you won't. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? And he, and he says, you I know you don't have that. So he picks the phone up, and we're sitting across the desk from this guy, like like Potter and and uh, you know <laughs> Jimmy Stewart, uh, Jimmy and, Stewart, it's a wonderful, and, life, wonderful yeah. life. And we're way down here; he's way up there. And um, he said, I know you don't have that. And he picks the phone up, and he says, Mister So and So, I got Mister Mrs Embry here. They want to buy that property on Price Road. Blah 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 blah. Click. He says, I have your down payment. He says, you're going to need $5,000 to close this out. He says, 1500 of that is for a survey. I know you don't have that, so I'll give that to you. You pay me when you get it. If you don't bring $3,500 to close, closing, I have five people standing in line for that property. Now, this guy, I, I, re- I didn't realize this till years later, but this guy was a real estate investor, and somehow he had got it uh, from the state hoping I would fix it up for three months and lose it. Oh, I mean, okay. And did he get so it he back was banking on your failure? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, but yet he didn't know he was dealing with the Lord <laughs> in this deal. And you realize it's now 2012, and uh, this is 1994. We have never one time paid a late fee. Hmm. Now we moved in that house. We moved in a house with no running water, no electricity, no washer, no dryer, no stove, no refrigerator, no central heat, no air conditioning, no bathroom. It was basically a shell of a house. The DEA had come in looking for drugs and money and ripped the place to shreds. And we had actually clo- closed on our mobile home before we two, about a month before we closed on the farm. And so our washer and dryer went with the mobile home. Our stove and refrigerator went with the mobile home. The first person we told the mobile home was for sale bought it. And kids, 
college students were taking money out of their pockets, giving us money. We had just enough money to buy lunch when we, when we closed on that property. And we moved our kids and packed them in one 14 by 14 room, put our furniture in another room, and the rest of the room was one big construction zone, and it stayed one for the next seven years. I know we got to skip a lot of details here. It's an amazing story, but I got to get to the now. Mm-hmm. Uh, after how many years? Well, uh, that was 1994. It's okay. been uh, so after all these years. What is happening now with that piece of property? God is honoring your vision. What What is the vision? And, and tell me about the ministry today. Yeah. Well, even when we got there, we weren't quite sure. We knew it had something to do with youth. Uh, we had a fourth child there. We had a fifth child. The fifth child we lost. Uh, couldn't afford to bury him. Buried him at the foot of the cross that we erected to, to commemorate where we prayed to receive the property on Shepherd's Hill. Buried him at the foot of Shepherd's Hill. His name was Asa. And um, after a series of miraculous events, a school in Atlanta called us up and said, we heard what you're doing up there. You know, We were doing equine therapy. We were doing day camps, weekend camps. But God wanted us to have kids live there. And I didn't want that. I never wanted that. Uh, that was the selfishness coming out in me. And uh, I remember the Lord said, move out of your house. And it took us seven years to get it rehabbed. And so we refinanced the farm, bought another mobile home, stuck it out on Shepherd's Hill, and the house sat empty, and I, I just went in the house. I said, Lord, what are you doing to me? And he says, go tell your kids what I'm about to tell you. I went back into our new mobile home. I sat my kids down at the dinner table. We weren't eating dinner, but I, I said, I want you kids to remember this time and remember this date. If you remind Dad to praise God and to thank him for all that we're going through right now. And I won't even go into all we were going through. We were going through a ton. I said, if you'll remind Dad to praise God and thank Him, this ministry, this family is about to be blessed beyond anything you can imagine in a few days, maybe a week, no longer than a month. In a week and a half, I got a phone call from a school in Atlanta that said, we heard what you're doing. Would you consider having troubled teens live there? I said, you're the phone call I've been waiting for. Mm -hmm. That empty house stayed empty for two months, and it was empty for a reason. The first group of kids that came in there, the second kid that came through the door, his name was Asa. It was as if the Lord was saying, you're finally starting to get it. That house was a residence, an office, a shower house, a cafeteria, and a school for those first few kids. Now, all the kids live in the woods. They build their own communities in the woods, no running water, no electricity. And uh, they they get away from Lady Gaga and Snoop Dogg and Eminem and Hollywood, Madison Avenue, all the things that are retarding their spiritual growth. So this is what God wanted you to do all along. All along. He wanted you to minister to these troubled teens. Right, but I had to obey him in the things that he was giving me the, the light about. Yeah. It was like a, a, a test of obedience all along the way. Absolutely, yeah. and a test of faith for my kids, for my wife, for me. And this is, I can honestly say, uh, Wayne, this is a ministry, uh, is birth in God, from God. And I am just naive enough, I guess, stupid enough, whatever, however you want to say it, yeah. to obey God, and yeah. knowing that he's, it's in his hands. Give me just a taste. Tell me a story of a, of a kid's life transformed because of Shepherd's Hill Academy. I don't know where to begin. I mean, I can tell you uh, off the top of my head, uh, you know, cutting is a pretty uh, yeah. crazy phenomenon yeah. going on today. Kids are cutting on themselves. And you know, we had a girl cutting on, her, on, her, on herself, and she's, her, her arms look like a... You know, a Georgia road map. They were just all sliced up. And, 
she comes in and she was fighting all the girl counselors and they had to hold her down, restrain her on the floor in the, in the shower house. So these and are the most troubled kids out there. These kids are going to jail or the grave. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're jail or the grave. And now she's just on top of the world. I remember sitting behind her uh, just a, you know, a couple of months before she graduated uh, Shepherd's Hill Academy because we have a fully accredited junior and senior high school there too. But it's a therapeutic place. Well, I know we skipped a lot. I mean, it, it's, a, it's amazing <laughs> it, what God has done yes, through these years. Yes, it really yeah. is. But I'm standing behind her. And here she is, hands raised to worship at the church service, scarred all up and down, you know, outside of a miracle of God, they won't go away. Just proud as can be that the Lord has forgiven her and redeemed her for all, all her, you know, her past. And you know, I'll get a phone call uh, six months after a kid graduates, two years after a kid graduates, hey, I'm teaching a Bible study here, I'm a youth pastor in Kentucky here, I'm doing this. It's just... It's beyond it's beyond words, and I get choked up just even talking about it because I know where these kids come from, and it's incredible. You know, kids eating peanut butter and jelly in the front seat while mom's <laughs> prostituting in the back seat, oh. being being turned over to to grown men, remembering money being exchanged. Then we get them, and we're supposed yeah. to do something with that. You've got to be grateful to God. I mean, is it worth all that sacrifice, all that uncertainty, all the those tests along the way? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there's not a paycheck big enough to uh, that I would take to exchange what I, what I get to experience regularly. Kids are coming in with boatloads of medications from virtually every every state in the country and eight other countries, and they're, and they're leaving medication-free. Now, why is this? Because we know that when you stimulate a kid with the love, training, nurture, discipline and the truth of God and his word, that good things happen. And science is backing us up on this. Outside stimuli changes body and brain chemistry. We know that. Kids are being stimulated with all the wrong things today. They're being pleasured into imbecility. And all we're saying is, let's take these kids out of this environment for a while. I know there's other approaches to ministry. I know that. But we have, have, have been led to do it this way, take them out of this culture long enough to, to Cultivate the soil of their hearts so the seed of God's Spirit has a, t- has a place to take root and bear fruit, and that's what's happening. Trace, just in the moment we have left, talk about how you felt so unqualified uh-huh. to do what you're doing, and yet God uses you nonetheless. Well, all, you know what I, I've learned to do, Wayne? I've learned to just to look at the scriptures and see that the, the, the God has used lay people carpenters and fishermen and tax collectors and shepherds, and, you know, He's used to do great things, to do wonderful things. I am a roofer by trade and a policeman. I drive race cars for hobbies. You know, it's like if he can use a guy like that, you know, that, you know, uh, and he can. He can use anyone listening to this broadcast right now if, they're, if they would just be obedient. And that's, that's the problem with the church today is we don't have people who are willing to be obedient to what the Lord's calling them to do in their, in their life. Whether it's formal ministry or not, it might be a butcher or baker or a candlestick maker, it doesn't really matter. Do what you're called to do, and, and God will turn it into a ministry. Good words. Our guest today has been the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill Academy, Trace Embry. Trace is a great example of a man who trusted God every step of the way, even when the way seemed impossible. His tenacity and faith are an inspiration to all of us. For more about Shepherd's Hill Academy and today's guest, visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. There you'll find a link that will give you what you need to know, as well as a way to contact the ministry. Again, the website is firstpersoninterview.com. Now, our website can also give you an opportunity to listen to any previous first-person interview. Just click the Listen button at firstpersoninterview.com. 
And then if you'd like to leave a comment or suggestion, we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash first person interview. Did you know that you can download each week's program as a podcast on iTunes automatically? Go to iTunes, search for first person under podcast, and then hit the subscribe button. You'll be able to take first person with you on your MP3 player. Well, next week will be our Christmas program, and I've asked Michael Carr to join us to talk about the incarnation of Jesus Christ. I hope you'll listen next week. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening today to First Person.